It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Too. I fight myself, I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorstep Life is living hell, puddles of blood in the street Shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief Earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks The poor run with smoke lungs and scarface Who need a hero? Hero. You need a hero, look in the mirror, there go your hero Who on the front lines at ground zero? Hero. My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle Mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls are suffering men Clutching on deaf ears again, rapture is coming It's all prophecy and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good Then that's what it gotta be African power to an African people and black power. It's your brother, National Chairman Yang and Krumah. I prefer the title, Your Brother. You know, that puts it more on an intimate level. Your brother, National Chairman Yang and Krumah, coming to you again on this Tuesday, uh, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Blog Talk Radio, Independent Radio, The People's Voice, an opportunity for you to share with us, for us to share with you, for us to begin to, you know, build together, come up with some real tangible solutions to the problems that we collectively face as African people here in America. As always, man, I want to thank um, the listeners for taking their time out on a Tuesday around this time to share their Tuesday with us to begin to build and just um, spend this time together. And so I want to thank, thank, thank the listeners for that. You know my philosophy, African communalism. 
African communalism. Together, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. Together, there's nothing we can't accomplish. And our individualism only ensures our destruction and our doom. Uh, man, we're coming today. Today is on five on the black hand side. Five on the black hand side, and I'm gonna tell you why I particularly enjoy our five on the black hand side programs. The days that we do this, because this is an opportunity. It's an open discussion. Whatever has been getting your goat all couple weeks long since last we spoke last um, talked to you. Uh, what what you know what whatever concerns you, what you've seen on the news, hell, what's happening just in your general location. Now, five on the black hand side is an opportunity to talk about that, to address these issues, and prayerfully let's come together and come up with some solutions if uh, if there's a problem. But this is why I like that five on the black hand side. I, I love our shows like this because, like I said, it's just an opportunity for us to be so informal and just really to rap. And see what's going on. Um, I wanted to start out. I wanted to talk about a conversation I had gotten into. I'd seen some posts, and prayerfully, I hope some of these brothers attend the show today because, you know, I mean, they were very verbal, if not verbal, very kind, you know, had a lot of comments, were um, just really into the discussion on Facebook when it came to the post. So I personally sent out an invite and invited them to. Um, come on the radio program. So I hope they accept me and take me up on that off and really come and uh, express their side. And the conversation was about should the Africans here in America, should the black people here in America vote? Should we participate in the political process? And I was surprised to see, I mean, I've heard the comments before I've seen and heard people sentiment who says that, you know, voting is a farce. It doesn't accomplish anything while I participate. In fact, I think this was a direct quote from one of the posts on there. Why participate in a system? Man, what was the brother's name? Who had addressed me directly? He was saying, well, dear brother Yanga, why participate in a system that was clearly designed to your detriment, that was not designed for your freedom, <laughs> for starters, or for your advancement, empowerment as a people. Why would you participate in that system? And, I, and, and listen, that is a very good question. Who would keep playing uh, a losing game? Who would keep running a losing race? It would almost seem ridiculous. You know, it would seem quite foolish. Why would you continue to do that? But my, my thing was this is how do you not, how do you not participate in the politics that address your everyday life? I can understand, I can normal you know, listen, I can understand when we talk about on a national level a lot of times. You know, voting for the presidency and a lot of these um you know, these offices on a national level, I can see how it would be difficult to see how that would affect you. You know, we saw, especially when you talk about our community, let's be real. You know, our, the, our program is all about being real. And a lot of times when we come real, it doesn't always make us your favorite people. But nonetheless, I have a duty 
to, and I am a creationist, I believe in the creator, uh, and my ancestors. So I have a, an obligation, a responsibility, a duty to my ancestors and to the creator to bring the truth to you. Now, I'll try to uh, sweeten it a little bit, for lack of better words. I'll try to find a way to deliver it so it isn't as painful, so it doesn't leave as bad a taste in your mouth as the truth has been known to do on many occasions. But nonetheless, we must deliver the truth as revolutionaries. It's a charge that has been placed upon us. When we took up this mantle, when we heard this calling and responded to the calling of being a people who have pledged their lives to the upliftment and enlightenment of African people here in America and throughout the diaspora, um, then that comes with it. That's one of the uh, 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 conditions, and in some cases can even be a consequence, uh, and, and that's truthfulness. You have to be truthful to the people. And so in my being truthful to the people, you know, let's, in, in, in my acknowledging the the truth of a situation, I can see how it would be difficult to feel the connectedness on a national level, especially when you're involving national politics, when you're talking about national politics from and African people in America. We or our community is just full of apathy to the political process. Not only do we not get it, not only do we not get it, we don't give a damn about not getting it. And this can be dangerous for us on so many levels, and we see it every day. I was telling the young man in my response, and I corresponded back and forth on the Facebook. I said, you know, voting, and especially locally, is the difference between a police station and a library in your neighborhood. Is the difference between a police station and the library in your neighborhood. This is what gives the oppressor the audacity. This is what makes them audacious enough to do the things they do to us as a people. And, you know, and I'm talking about economically. I'm talking about development-wise. I'm talking about when they come in our neighborhoods because they know that there is no pushback politically. They don't care about you picketing. They could care less about you picketing if that picketing doesn't have any real political, economic, or social power behind it. It has the potential for all three, and especially for social power, when you're talking about bringing awareness to injustices that affect us as an African people in America. But we don't follow it up socially because we're socially defunct. We're socially uh, arrested in development. We're socially retarded. Is that politically correct to say? I don't even know if you're supposed to say that. But we're socially retarded. So our protesting are little more than minor nuisances. It's noise. It's it's a it's a it's a net on an elephant's ass. You get swatted away. Because there's no ramifications behind it. There's no repercussions behind the protest. Behind are speaking out against an injustice perpetrated against us as a people. There's no what I mean. What's behind it? We see a prime example of that. We see uh, uh, Kit Patrick. Is that his name? I'm not the biggest sports fan, but I believe it's Colin Kit Patrick. He, the guy's been all over, so I'm I'm, I'm quite sure that's his name. Um, and we see that him launching this protest, this taking a knee, speaking out against police brutality and uh, assaults against the African community here in America by um, 
representatives of law enforcement, the police officers in common language. So we see him taking this position. And it is a very powerful position, and he is a very influential person that has the clout, has the sway, has all the things, has the platforms to bring, I mean, millions, millions of uh, bring this awareness to millions and millions of people. And yet we don't capitalize our lack of a connectedness, our lack of really seeing how this could advance us socially if we should have come together. And I'm not talking about coming together on religion. I'm not talking about coming together kumbaya because we eat the same foods, but coming together because socially we're looked at as the same, we're put in the same social conditions, treatment is basically the same if you're a melanated person here in America, if you're a minority person here in America, and especially if you look like, I don't care what you brothers and sisters are calling yourselves. I don't care what you're calling yourselves. If you look like a Negroid, if you're of the Negroid influence, if you look like a black person here in America, you're subject to a specific type of treatment. And here you had uh, Colin Kaepernick point attention to what was going on, and due to our lack of identifying, you know, or coming together under that, identifying that being a particular problem to us, specifically as black people, all of us, and saying, you know what, for the time being, let me put my desires to the side, and let me get down with this NFL boycott. Let me do something to show that socially we're unified against the oppression that is targeted against us as a people. But the number against us has been so thorough, the job done against us has been so thorough that we don't even identify with one another like that. We don't feel our brother. You know what I'm saying? You know the old saying, do you feel me? We don't feel our brother or feel our sister. So we can't identify so even we will circumvent, sidestep, or step over justice or the opportunity to have some justice or to make a statement for justice because we can't control our physical desires because we have to have a football game or because we have to have a certain product from a certain place. We can't economically boycott anything. This is a deficiency. This is a deficiency. So they say, well, Brother Yang, how does this go? What does this have to do with us voting? What does this have to do with us participating in the system here in America? Well, here it is. By us not being able to move, see, in order to really circum- circumvent that whole system the way we would like to, we would have to move collectively. That's the only way. We'd have to move collectively. But since we don't understand, in my opinion, of course, the importance of moving collectively like that, then we must begin right where we're at. We must reach the people right where we're at. And a lot of times the revolutionary jargon, the revolutionary rhetoric, the black nationalist rhetoric or the black nationalist speech spooks the everyday masses of the people. And this is a shame because it's not spooky language. Because it's not spooky language. When we say, brother, then why should it, why does it spook the everyday masses of the people? How, you know, what, what, what is causing them to run from this? Black nationalism is as natural as breathing. You should want to um, be near those people 
who eat like you eat, dress like you dress, relate to what you would relate to, identify to the things that you identify with. And even if you don't have, can't find the commonality in the dressing and the eating, then the thing that you do have in common is the treatment that America uh, places upon you or the category that America places you in if you're a melanated person. Even if our diet isn't the same, our dress isn't the same, our religion isn't the same, our language isn't the same, the treatment of, uh, of the black man and woman here in America by America is the same, and if not the same, at the very least, very similar. There's no denying that. I would love to see uh, a brother or sister deny that, that the treatment isn't at the very least similar. So the rational, the same person, the same brother or woman who wants better conditions, who wants a better lifestyle, you would think would begin to fight that, would come together to shake those shackles off. But what ends up happening a lot of times is that a lot of the so-called revolutionaries who are, who are either misinformed or ill-informed, period, you know, no research, no study, no history, or are narcissists, or have these egos, use the movement in general and specifically their organizations to build and booster themselves and raise themselves and elevate themselves, not offering the people any practical solutions. And they find that the crazier they talk, the more uh, inflammatory they speak, the more uh, sensational that they talk, the more attention that they get. And the more attention that they get, the worse that their mouth becomes. Then you have this group of brothers and sisters who become marginalized. Those brothers and sisters who really want to participate in the liberation struggle of African people in America. Those brothers and sisters who really want to change the living conditions of African people in America. Those brothers and sisters who really want to see our advancement and empowerment of African people in America marginalized and uh, disenfranchised and disillusioned by the empty and sensational rhetoric of the so-called revolutionaries. What am I saying? That brother and sister who are trying to make a living and eke out a survival and change the living conditions, look at that brother and sister who is espousing or talking that extra, rhetor- uh, extra revolutionary rhetoric and say, that nigga is crazy. That nigga is crazy. There's been this over-fascination with dying. You got to be ready to die for the... And we're not promoting the living aspect. This goes into the apathy of our participating in the so-called processes that govern our everyday life. Why? Because if you're constantly teaching that you must die for the revolution, you must be willing to die, death, destruction, die, 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 then what's the point in investing in thinking about or building a future. So there's no attachment, at least on a subconscious level, to anything remotely uh, having to do with this world, which I, which I find very fascinating. Let me tell you why. Because most of the people who have this concept of this death and destruction and are detached from this world are vehemently anti-Christian. And that is such a Christian sentiment. Give up this world, die, wait for your pie in the sky. 
Wait till you get to having such a Christian sentiment that the so-called revolutionary is espousing, and yet turn around and knock the Christian. I, you know, I find that fascinating. So what's that? What? So here's the detrimental part about it, and and this is why I say that it's so detrimental. It was detrimental to me because I don't see. This is my opinion, of course. And there again, you're listening to the People's Party, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Blog Talk Radio. We're rapping. Today is five on the black-hand side. It's one of those Tuesdays where we're just discussing and we're getting it off our chest and we're talking how I feel. It's open topic. The floor is open for anything. Press one and I will recognize you. And we can begin the polyva. We can hold this discussion. We can talk about this or if you want to bring up some other things, we can uh, uh, look into that. But I wanted to say this. Let me say in my conclusion um, in saying this, that we find uh, with this type of sentiment why it leads to an apathy, why it leads to being disconnected from participating in, in, in a system that affects your every day. Here's why I say that that's dangerous. One of the reasons I say that is dangerous because of what it produces how is it that we can pay rent, we can pay light, we can pay water, we can pay taxes on our food and our clothing, we can pay property taxes, we can do all of these things, they can keep their hands in our pocket, they keep their hands deep in our pocket, they take a hell, FICA gets it out of your check before you bring it home to your family, and you turn around and say, I won't have anything to do with this system. Why, even this European launched, used that, as incentive and motivation to begin his revolutionary struggle, to begin his fight for independence. Didn't he scream no taxation without representation? When the so-called queen, when they thought that they were going to keep taxing this this colony over in America, what did these Americans say? Say, well, nobody get paid today. We'll dump all the tea in the harbor. Well, nobody be drinking tea today. And there was racism in that, even black. You know, that's why I say even, listen, sidebar, the history of racism, why even they blame the Native Americans for that act, according to uh, their history book. They've never been taken responsibility for what they do. Quick to blame a minority, boy. I bet you the Britons was killing every Native American they seen after that. supposed <laughs> to tea party. But I'm saying that to say that even this European will not allow him or herself to be taxed without representation, yet you and I will participate in the taxation and gladly, freely, from our own accord, say that we don't want representation, that this system doesn't have anything to do with us. And it's amazing because this is the same thing, this attitude, this sentiment is the same attitude and sentiment that lets uh, a white racist police officer with a white racist police force victimize and terrorize an all-black county. You can go into a county that's 85, 90% black, and the police force is white, and every so uh, couple years in November or whatever, they have signs in the yard, so-and-so for police chief, so-and-so for sheriff. But we don't participate in that. And so that pig has endorsed, has sponsored, has been caught giving permission for his officers to beat a nigga's ass. Excuse my language. Verbiage alert for the babies out there. And so he is giving permission into, for his officers to beat a black man or a black woman down. Then we want to be out there with the signs, picketing and protesting, screaming about how racist this police chief is, the police chief's history, how he got transferred from 
one uh, police precinct to another and is still practicing the racist tactics that he practiced or his racist or her racist antics that they practiced at the last police station. Well, I tell you this, all of this could have been avoided. All of this could have been avoided. All of this could have been avoided because you, when you saw the sign in the yard that said so-and-so for sheriff, you rolled past it. You didn't take a second look. You didn't stop by the polls. You didn't double-check and do the background check on that racist cracker then. You wait till he kills a Negro. You wait till somebody black is maimed or hurt or brutalized or terrorized by the local Gestapo, by the armed wing of this repressive society, the police force. Then you want to get all up in arms. What about being proactive? What about preventive measures? Ah, this is the difference between the revolutionary and the reactionary. Let me go to my phone lines. Let's start with our, minute, our national minister of justice who has a mic open. Minister of justice, your mic is open. That's power, sir, and to all the family on the line. Uh, you right on. You're hitting the nail right on the head. Uh, uh, if we think about it, they're catching these politicians left and right, uh, suppressing voters, getting rid of mm-hmm. ballots. Uh, they, they and, and and the majority of the people they're doing it to are black people, and and the thing is, if your vote didn't count, they wouldn't be going through all these changes because if we all decided that we were going to vote, they wouldn't be. They can't. They don't have enough uh, cheats to be able to get rid of everybody. You know. That's right. So, so so say so they they try to enact legislation, whatever it is that they can do, because they've been bullying their way. They bullied their way into the White House. Because Trump did not mm-hmm. win by popular vote, he was won mm-hmm. with the electoral college. Uh, also, mm-hmm. um, you have uh, how they bullied their way into the Supreme Court. Nobody wanted this person there, but they certainly let him go there. You know, yes. um, a lot of things that's happening because, and if we decide that we're not going to vote, you know how much worse things would be. Right now, they're afraid, so they take certain measures. But if we all decided we just not gonna vote, we would go right back to the eighteen and the eighteen and seventeen hundreds, and 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 just like you said, as far as that fighting and and uh, it always it always baffled me how I could go into the hood and I would see something falling down, and there would be a sign in the yard, vote for such and such, and the same individual <laughs> that's been in there for thirty mm-hmm. years because you know Congress. They only get two-year terms. How do you stay somewhere for 30 years and you can come up for election every two years? And that, yeah. that, there, is a, uh, that there is another uh, problem. They don't, they, and they don't, they're not calling it organized crime. They call it the machine. They got a different word the for machine. it. <clears throat> the That's machine. Right. So, you know, um, but the, the one thing I wanted to touch on before I let go is, the the young lady, uh, she's about fourteen. She was fourteen years old. Threw her to the ground, and they were pulling her shorts up over her bottom. Mm-hmm. And I was so disturbed by what I saw when that man grabbed her her short, the hem of her short. I uh, through uh, our organization, I got in touch with um, the Sarasota uh, Institutional Abuse. Institutional mm-hmm. abuse is kind of di- di- is different from regular like they got ACS or BCW, but the bottom line mm-hmm. is um, that's what's um, inside your home. Institutional abuse is when something happens in your, in school, 
and mm-hmm. and and you uh, within one of their pillars, you are allowed to call these people. They do an investigation. Well, I called Sarasota, uh, Florida, and what I was told the loophole and the reason why the first person I think of is Little Tamar playing with a gun, uh, a toy gun. When was that against the law? But my point is that what she said to me was the only people that they investigate are people who are caregivers. So since the police are not considered caregivers, that's why they're allowed to beat our children the way they do, with no consequences Mm -hmm. of anybody doing any type of investigation. And I think that's a really big aspect. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be able to beat up a child. You're not supposed to... um, That's right. You're not supposed to handcuff uh, minors, you, and let mm-hmm. alone do what I saw done on that. But, see, we slipping. We slipping because a lot of us don't know the law. Like, I, I, I have said it's got to be a reason why they get away with this, beating up these kids, and how come they're not mm-hmm. being investigated. At the very least, it's child abuse. But it's not yeah. child abuse according to the fact that <clears throat> they are not considered caregivers. So, but if you or I was to go out there and beat that girl up, they would charge us with um uh what is it what do they call that? Uh something uh, hurting a minor? Uh yeah. causing yeah. causing yeah. causing a minor uh mm. um assault on a minor and this and that. Well, why can't they be charged with the same thing? And they can't be charged Absolutely. because they are the same system. They are the same system. Right. However, I implore everybody to um, investigate this in your own hometown, and, they, and they're going to tell you the same thing because they're not caregivers. Both, and there needs to be legislation. And I would go into the well, fact that there is legislation, and that legislation is um, uh, it comes from the, the United Nations, you know, uh, Human well, Rights Division. Uh, go, ahead, no. go ahead, go ahead, sir. Well, I I, I don't want to because you 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 are national, so you know you come on anytime, and I got I, I guess I've got somebody holding too. But I also, but I still want you to go into that because um, when you talk about that national, and this goes into the whole piece of our participating in the whole process. You know, one of the reasons you you you're absolutely right. One of the reasons they can get away with it is because one, it's on the books and we don't know about it, and secondly, we're not pushing for a change in legislation like that. So it's legal lynching, legal terror, terrorizing, legal brutality. But hold that. Let's put a pin on that because I do want to come back and I want to discuss that. We're talking about the 14-year-old guy. I don't know if you guys have seen the video. You know, I've, I've watched it and Justice said something to me, made me watch it again. Or, you know, um, yeah, made me, made me go back and look at it. She didn't, but what she said did. And, and man, it's hard to watch. And the second the thing she pointed out uh, just made it that much more difficult. And, and it's hard to watch because there's such a feeling of inadequacy. What do you do? These are our youth. Let's go to our phone lines real quick because I had this, this caller holding. Um, area code 205-4879. Your mic is open. And, Justice, your mic is still open, too, because I want you to continue in participating. How are you yes, doing, sir. beloved brother? I'm good, brother. How about it? This brother came up. I just What's going to, on, brother? Uh, I can't call it, man. But uh, you started to show out, brother, about mm-hmm. voting. And uh, I was talking to one of my RBG brothers. You know, I linked up with a lot of brothers this weekend. I linked up with some of your brothers, too, some of the Panthers and okay. uh, some of my RBG brothers. 
And uh, one of my RBG brothers, man, this this brother is pretty pretty deep. His his thing is is revolution. That's all he studies is revolutions, failed revolutions, successful revolutions, and and he's talking about how our people need to be politically as like groups like you like like our like ours. We need to be politically educated, not based on. Democrat or Republican, this, this type of uh, uh, politics, not that type of politics, but uh, revolutionary politics about, like, we got groups. We got our people all over the world suffering. We we suffer the same plight. And he talked about linking our struggles, linking up with even, with like, you ever heard, you you heard the old saying, my, my enemy of uh, enemy my, my friend. My, yeah. Right, right. Like my my uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend. He mm-hmm. talked about linking up with like communists, Russia, uh, uh, Cuba, different folks, different countries all over the world where we at, where we suffering at. And he talked about how we support them, how they can support us, be it you know with finances, uh, with people, with soldiers, whatever you know. And uh, this 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 is the type of political education that I, I agree with him, brother, one hundred percent. That we need mm-hmm. that type of political education to where we can uh, uh, implement revolution, not just having to you know have a physical battle out here in the streets with these folks, but uh, to garner support from our people all over the world. It whether like I said, it be communist Russia. Anybody that that's willing to help us, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, we got we got people like Seti and, and Umar. I hate to say their names, brother, but we got people who travel. They travel the, the world. They travel the globe, man. They go places. But my thing is, when they go, are they making contact with the leaders of those countries? Or you know what I'm saying? Are they trying to garner support for us here in the United States? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And brother, I, I, I sure would if you could. I, I can't wait till we get to Detroit, but I sure I, I, I could probably get at Sadie, but I'd like for you, if you can, man, set me up to talk to Umar or Sadie, either one of them dudes, man, because I, I, I really like to speak to them brothers, man. Mm-hmm. I really, really like to speak to them brothers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, they, 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 they done got money they didn't got the support of the people to go out to do the work for the people. And, and, and like I said, with that type of political education, they could be out there making allies to, to uh, you know, help us here. Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you also talked about a little bit about the police. And, you know, that's <clears throat> in general, what that is, is occupation and folks just, you say it, it might be an all-black or 90%, 80% black community, but you mm-hmm. got a, a white police force. You know, that's just occupation, brother. That is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's occupation. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lack of participation. Yeah. You know. And, and one thing we, we, we should do or that we, as you do, I know you do it. I, I do it, too. And you talked about it last week is, is – insight. We got to incite the people into action, man, whether it be action mm-hmm. of support, 
financial support, moral support, uh, mm-hmm. violent support. I, 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 man, brother, I, any support is better than no support. As long as the people are moving, yeah. we, we doing something. We, and, and, and that's, and what, it, and that's what it boils down to. And yeah. that's what it boils down yeah. to, brother. Go ahead. And like, like, like I said, when we and when we do make it to Detroit, man, we need to uh, sit down and discuss some planning about how we're going to incite the people into support and into action. And like I said, you know, I told we we talked about it a little bit. I'm going to let you go after this, yeah. bro. We talked about how Brother Khalid used to come to Detroit, man. I watched this brother, man. When he used to come to Detroit, man, the mm. people would come out, and they didn't. Not, not, not. They would be Christians. They would be Catholics. They would be Baptists. They would be Muslims. They would be Panthers. Mm. They would be Gariites. Mm. They would be RBGs. Everybody would be there to see this brother, you know. Mm. And, but he he could incite. The people, man, for some reason, that brother had that charisma yeah. that he yeah. could incite yeah. the people, man. And yeah. It didn't matter yeah. what they, they uh, political persuasion or, or religious, you know, thing was. He he made them lead that. When they came in them doors, that was it. It was, it was, it was the colleague show. <laughs> you you was yeah. with that, you know. Yeah. But I, I just want well, to uh, bring me... that to you, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, let, let me jump in here what you do, because you said a couple of things I wanted to touch on, and I don't want to lose my point. First, let me say about this, Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad, who was, you know, an outstanding, was an awesome, I mean, awesome, and in, 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 in he was, man, you know, he was an orator, man, not only was he a speaker, he was a leader from those people that I've been blessed enough to be close to, who was blessed enough to be close to him, they say he was a man's man. And the few times that I've had the opportunity to meet him, I'm not going to be one of these brothers that here say, oh, I was a student or because I didn't have it like that. I did have the pleasure of meeting Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad a couple times uh, and, you know, sitting in his company, especially when he was doing the whole thing back and forth to Cleveland with the Gene I made, which he started in Cleveland. So I really had an opportunity to um, see him come around a lot. But one of the things, though, understanding, and this is my opinion, in the times of Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad, one of the reasons he was sensational is because that was the moment. Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad's time was to shake us back up into action, to, um, you know, get the, the scales off our eyes. Here you had a man that had the ability to articulate the problem, and not just articulate the problem, but to say it in such a way that it would ignite a fire in you it would disgust you with the condition that we lived in and he clearly demasked our enemy no longer did he didn't leave anywhere for that devil to hide behind he exposed that devil oh did he expose him in the most awesome way he didn't leave any room for the devil to pretend that he was anything but the devil and he was uncompromising and so dr khalid abdul muhammad did that and he did his job well now, in my opinion, here's our failure, and I know you get on me, Kamu, and this is one of, one of the things I love about you, dear brother, because you will keep your brother straight. But one of our failures, I feel like, in the movement, and when I say movement, brothers and sisters out here listening, I mean movement in the literal sense of the word as a force, as a, a verb, an action, move, the whole thing. Right. I don't use right. movement synonymous with organization. 
A lot of people, when they say movement, they're speaking about an organization. I don't believe that the Black Panther Party is a movement. I don't believe that um, the UNIA is a movement. The Nation of Islam is a movement, so on and so forth. RBG is a movement, but it's a smaller movement within a bigger movement, and that movement being the Black Power Movement. So these organizations are components that help keep the movement going. So Dr. Khaled Muhammad, what he did, in my opinion, is he came and he galvanized the movement. He put some fire into that thing. He threw gasoline on some sparks. And now everybody's become awakened, at least to a sense, and they can clearly identify the enemy. I know that there's people who can quote Dr. Khaled. Hell, I have some Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad quotes. I can go verbatim because he's that cold. Mm -hmm. But after waking the people up, after galvanizing the people, after having thrown water on the sleeping people, now it's time for the programs to be implemented. One of the problems right. that I see that we face, in my opinion, as African people, too many of us want to emulate Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad. Too many people want to sound like him. They want to use his words. They want to come off like Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad. And Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad, rahimahullah ta'ala, may God have mercy upon Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad. He has done what Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad was commissioned to do. Now that we have been awakened, now that the fire should have been stoked upon us, now that a, a coal has been placed in our britches and we should be jumping and bouncing back and forth in the endeavor to empower African people here in America, that now that that job is done, where are the programs? Right. Where are the, the next, where, where is the next phase of it? So this is what I would like to see us do as African people in it to commemorate, to really honor the memory and the spirit of Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad. We must begin to implement the programs that bring about this wonderful and magnificent change that the Honorable Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad knew that the black man and the black woman here in America was capable of achieving. That's, that's, that's that. So we must take his vision and go to the next level. And those students of Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad who are trying to do that, I commend you. I really do applaud those brothers and sisters. And when I say students, not just the people who were fortunate enough to sit up under the doctor, but also those people who have committed their lives to studying his teachings and trying to implement some of his philosophies and uh, ideology and, and perception towards black nationalism, empowering African people, and their contributions to the black power movement. Secondly, to, to address, and I see you, Colin, I am coming to you, um, like what you said about the brother who studied revolution, and I'm a student of revolution myself, and I can appreciate that. And he's right, that in order for our revolution to really be recognized, in order for it to really be taken off, it must be acknowledged as an international revolution. I am a firm mm -hmm. believer in that. I believe that this will begin to get some of our political prisoners free, because as long as they can criminalize our, political, our freedom fighters and political captives, as long as they can deny that they are freedom fighters and political captives, that they were um, participating in a real revolution, a justified revolution, uh, and, and until this government acknowledges that, then they will always hold them as criminals for a very for unrealistic amount of years like they've been holding them now. But when they begin to acknowledge them as freedom fighters, then we will see like what you see happens all over the world when they free the Nelson Mandela's and other political prisoners uh, based because they were um, uh, what do they call them when you disagree with the political process? Dissidents. They were political yeah. dissidents. So uh, yeah, so 
We they get it on that. Now here's where we have to be careful. Here's where we have to be careful. Because we look historically, we have worked with the communists. We have worked with the socialists. We have worked with every group of people who say or profess, therefore, they're anti-oppression and anti-exploitation. And me being, my economic philosophy being African communalism, that being translated a lot of times into socialism, uh, I am anti-capitalist. You know what I'm saying? So I do, right. you know, lean towards when I sit with some of the socialists and some of the communists, you know, I can understand, I can identify with their economic philosophy. Here's why I have a problem with, though, is because since they are European and they're addressing other Europeans, the, the, the prominent problem with them will always be economic classism. It will always be an economic problem. And us Africans here in America... I like I tell them when you're talking about America and capitalism in America that the economics is synonymous with race. Economics mm-hmm. is synonymous with race. Francois Nolan said you're rich because you're white and you're white because you're rich. It's synonymous with race. They got there. And a lot of times when we get with these other um organizations, our causes get pushed to the back and their causes take uh, uh, president. What I'm saying is, get with the revolutionary communists. Before and their their leader Bob Avakian, man, he's dynamic. Man, Bob Avakian will articulate and talk about the black struggle like you wouldn't believe. He will acknowledge that the black man is the catalyst to an international revolution. And when I say black man, I'm talking about black man and woman. White boy, white boy, will sit there and spit the cold hard facts, and he's right. But at the end of the day, I don't know if anyone has went out and bought the Revolutionary Communist Party's uh, constitution, because they do have a constitution. Believe me, you, these white boys have plans. Mm-hmm. Should America not, you know, be what America uh, is trying to be or accomplish what America is trying to accomplish? And in their plans, like even their plan for us, when we talk about for those separatists, they say that they're even going to have to vote to allow, in their constitution now, that they're going to vote to allow whether or not they will let black people separate. So even if we supported the mm. communists, or specific, more specifically, the Revolutionary Communist Party, we would still have to p- participate in some form of democratic process to see if we, they would allow us, these same Europeans, would allow us to separate. We must remember that it was the Communist Party who sponsored W.E.B. Du Bois against the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey and the Universal uh, Negro Improvement Association, African Community Leagues. It was the Communist Party who sponsored that. So the Communist Party has always had a concern, in my opinion, and for you third development, so-called original Black Panthers out there, feel free more to get on the line if you like. In my opinion, that was one of begin to be the decline of the th- what we call the third development Panther Party, or some people call it the original Panther Party under uh, Minister Defense Minister Huey P. Newton and Chairman Bobby Seals. One, in my opinion, of course, one of their demises was the lean towards Marxist-Lenin ideology, mm. towards that communist philosophy. From we see it going from a black nationalist overtures even though they never really came out and claimed black nationalism, they're feeding the community. Every program they had was geared towards black people in the very beginning. So you don't have to call it black nationalism. When you're doing for black people and empowering black people and telling black people you can be self-sufficient, that is black nationalism. You don't have to call it that. It is what it is. 
You know, if a right. cat meows and chases my, I don't have to call mm-hmm. it a cat. You know what a cat is. So it was black nationalism. But as we've been, uh, as the party began to uh, uh, catch momentum and a lot of other little internal things, uh, defense minister Huey being locked up, you know, this, the leadership, people who have studied the history know the history. But I'm just speaking very broadly and vaguely. But that as they begin to grow and the Communist Party infiltrated or got in there, then we begin to see the uh, direction change of the party. So much so that even at one point in time, Huey said that he'll send cats, he'll send Panthers to Vietnam to fight on the Communist side. I mean, it had gone that far in the rhetoric in their embracing ideology and philosophy. And people back at that time would know better than me. So I'm saying all that to say that yeah, eh, I would say loose affiliations or <laughs> alliances. You know, right. with these with these with these multicultural parties. I'm very leery of a multicultural I'm not a multiculturalist. I, I am so leery of Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause we have to be careful, man. What they love to do is infiltrate I mean they take our energy. They take that that vigor. They take that fire and they know that we are people insist we are pissed about the injustices that we face as a people. And they will come in there and they'll play under that and get us on that thing. And they'll, yeah, yeah, yes. And so, you know what, attend this and attend that. And then we'll get to your issue. And before you know it, before they get to your issue, you'll be out there marching for Palestine. You'll be out there talking about Nepal. You'll be out there talking about Tibet, the Tibetan monks. You'll be fighting every other fight, but you're no, fighting. We got- we got Malima. Uh, we still we got Malima over there in South Africa. Yeah. So you know, it's the it's the it's the real deal. So we have to be up on it. But I'm gonna keep you, Kmo. I'm gonna leave your um, mic open, man. You want to say something? Let's go to our phone lines. Area code two one six five three six three. Your mic is open. Black Power. Black Power. So how's it going? Ah, it's going good, brother. How about it? Okay, man. There's one thing I want to add on to it, that until we recognize that we're an African people, we will always be uh, swayed uh, uh, any kind of way. That's one thing the European, regardless of either communist or socialist, uh, capitalist, a uh, white supremacist or whatever, he know he's a Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to always work in the interest of, of the Caucasian people, regardless of what flag he under. Uh, this why Gavi was so dangerous. When he said Africa for the Africans, those are home and those abroad, Europe for the European, Asian for the Asians. And then he went down and told them where, you know, where your ground's at, then you stand your ground. But we came here and uh, 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 ceased becoming African. We became Negroes and uh, uh, everything else. Uh, yeah. The other thing is that uh, in terms of our movement, that a lot of brothers and sisters understand that it's like a spiritual movement. You know, we started from Adam, then we went down to Moses, then we went on down to Abraham, we went on down. There's a formation for us to pass that baton somewhere down the line. Somebody stretched or somebody ran off the track, and uh, uh, we got to put them back on the track. But uh, our movement is a real movement. The other thing about the political prisoners is that as long as that we try to get them to recognize us as prisoners of war, I was a prisoner of war, and I dealt with the communists. The communists set me up in Louisville, Kentucky. 
uh, Gus Hall and all those suckers and fat-ass pigs, man, you know. Uh, I know about the Communist Party, uh, USA, but one thing that we have to recognize that the United Nations is is a uh, dominant uh, peoples of color. This why the Europeans don't like to deal with it. And until we take our cause as an independent African people and recognize that what is being violated is not our civil rights, our human rights as an African mm-hmm. people here in America, but a lot of brothers and sisters don't understand that because they don't study and read. You know, yeah. so they just look at yeah. it and think the, po- they think the police just ride on us because we pampered. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Police ride on us mm-hmm. because we are African people and they have no mm-hmm. need for us. And, uh, but Nelson Mandela, in dealing with South Africa, which is the proper name, is Azania, he had a, a, a underground political party. And then his party came out above ground, and then he organized a military movement called the Spear. Mm-hmm. And no white folks said, well, hold a minute. And he began to get world recognition. Mm-hmm. And in, and until uh, mm-hmm. we do the same thing, and, and this is why they had to get rid of Malcolm. See, mm-hmm. and I just have to say this, and then I'm going to stop. Dr. Khalid dealt with the issue here of a black power movement in America. Most mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, if you follow in the history that stays inside the bounds of America, are eliminated and quiet. Those who deal inside America and outside America let the world know, nigga, you ain't no citizen. You ain't never been no citizen. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. about economics, man. They brought you here, man, not because you can sit back and be with a white woman or chatting black power. They brought you here mm-hmm. because you was a worker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that was all about to... economics. Yeah. Exactly. And now it's time to, because see, we're coming to a point where, you know, Chairman Carl, where I think that if not the if not the majority of the people, a substantial amount of people can begin uh-huh. to know the history of African people in America. I mean, That's I think right. that we know the history. And now is the time to begin to decide what are we going to do about that history? How are we That's going right. to become proactive? We've been so caught up, put on the defensive so much and we've been in the mode of surviving so much that we've given up on thriving. That's become that ain't even something in our in, in our mind anymore. Where we're talking about getting past just day to day um, towards the end of the month, but actually thriving. And until we begin to until we get right. start to really conceptualize thriving, what a thriving individual and a thriving collective looks like, nation building will only be. Uh, fanciful talk. It will only be the talk of dreams and fantasy. Right. And, and I think Let that this is... This. This, okay, go ahead, brother. Uh, uh, one is that you heard the uh, latest news, right, that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, that this Nazi uh, president is now saying that uh, uh, that no longer you can come in here and be called an American citizen. Yeah, he's trying to take away the birthright citizenship. I was checking that right. out. Uh-huh. And I was telling brothers and sisters, 
years ago when he came in, I said that he was announcing when he said mm-hmm. that uh, let's make America great again. And they looked at me and they said, well, man, uh, man, that Kahar talk crazy. Now, watch when he said that in November he's going to cancel the election. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he finished set up martial law. He finished show Negroes straight up that I'm a fascist, I'm a racist. So all the little uh, uh, Black Panther people, Black Panther Party, the, mm-hmm. the Panther mm-hmm. Party of the people, the Panther Party of the streets, the Panther Party of the heaven and earth and everything in between, all these factions that we got to be walking around Panther and we got all type of buttons around, man, it's time for us to say no. It got to be one nation and we are an African people and That's our right. party, yep, if yep. it's going to be a party, it's going to be a political party which the Black Panther Party started out. But well, you know what? Start, see, Go ahead, Chairman. The Black Panther Party started out dealing with the Democrat and Republican because the Democrat was the Ku Klux Klan. They were called the Dixiecrats. Mm-hmm. I want to go ahead, go ahead, finish that up, and I want to jump in here. Okay, mm-hmm. with Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Stoker at that time, Carmen Torre, uh, Queen Mother Moe. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, and a whole lot of other brothers and sisters came together and said, no, we have to have a independent political party. If we do not lock horns, if we're not getting into this arena to lock horns, see, it's something to walk around a stadium but not participating in the game. I'm tired of walking I, around the stadium. Yeah. I'm ready to bomb heads. Right, 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 and that, and that, and that's the and that's the whole point. And this is I want to touch on that too. And I see you call up coming right to coming right to the lines is that, and that's a point that you touched on too that we have to understand. By this is why I don't I understand this this whole unity, and this is where a lot of people get upset with me about. I understand this whole unity, but unity on skin complexion I'm not with. I don't think that is going to work. Then I think that we have to defy unity, right? Because yeah. we, you know, I, I, I tell people, because there's different panther formations or different parties doesn't mean that we're not unified. When you're talking about a nation, I, you know, listen, this is what I tell my people. We have to stop. Religion has influenced us so much that we begin to put, we allow religion to be the base on how we judge everything even our organizations, even our movement, we, ba- we, we base it on, like, the way we conceptualize or have been taught to receive religion. We want everyone to be on one mind accord. Everybody, we want everybody to think the same, act the same, look the same, dress the same, and speak the same. And African people here in America are diverse people. And I think we should celebrate the diversity this is what gives us the ability to come up with some of the most magnificent inventions and some of the soundest applicable solutions because we have a diversity. Also, the, the, the beauty in the separations of the various parties means that every demographic of the black community has an opportunity to be represented. What nation? 
that is a freedom-loving nation, a so-called democratic nation. When I say democratic, this is why we have to know politics too, people. When I say democratic, please get this American concept out of your mind. As soon as somebody says mm. democratic or if we say we got a republic of New Africa, first thing people think about Democrats and Republicans. White man has taught us well. And it's not so much that he has taught us well. He's taught us so well that we don't feel like we have to go outside of his circle of learning to learn anything else. We subconsciously say that his learning is superior because he's taught us he and we don't even go outside his circle. We don't go right. We don't go outside of his circle yeah. and learn anything else. So when I say a freedom-loving people, a, Democrat, a democratic process, when I say a, demo, a, a freedom-loving people and a democratic process, I'm not talking about, like, d- just this country here. But here's what I mean by that. If you have a nation that has, even if it's all black people, those black people are going to be a diverse people, and a true freedom-loving nation will be a multi-party nation. Hear me out when I say this, brothers and sisters, because I don't think you heard me. I see a lot of the brothers and sisters on Facebook. We need unity. All these Panther parties, all this, all these different organizations, you need them. You need them. Because when you're talking about a nation, in order for that nation to really be a democratic nation and represent the masses of people that inhabited that nation or make up that nation, they're going to need a party to address their specific issues. So a nation with multiple parties is really closer to any democratic nation than a nation with a one-party system. There's no such thing as a nation with a one-party system. You mean to tell me everybody in that nation disagrees with the concepts, the philosophy, the ideology uh, of that of that one party? No. That's a death post. It's some type of tyrant somewhere. It, 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 it's like in, in, in Iraq. It's like in Iraq. Hold on, um, Chairman Carr. Then I'm, then I'm going to go to my phone line real quick. So hold that thought, Chairman, because I had some uh, callers in wait. But it's like Iraq when um, – Saddam Hussein was in power, and all you had was the Ba'ath Party. Didn't America use that as a, one of the pretexts to go in and remove this man from power, saying that was a death post, saying that he was a tyrant, that he had a one-party system? So let us be careful in what we're saying. Let us be careful in our thinking. We should celebrate the diversity in our community, and there's nothing wrong. I wouldn't want to live in a nation with only a one-party system. That means there is a lot of the demographic in that particular nation that is going on unrepresented. Chairman, can I hold that thought? Let me go to my phone lines real quick because I see someone has been holding for a moment, and I want to make sure that I get to them. Area code 619-9979. Your mic is open. Power to the people. Can you hear me, Chairman? Power to the people, Chief. What's good? Uh, I just want to kind of like just bring a little bit home in terms of what the the caller before uh, Chairman Kahar came on and was talking about these other political parties and countries. One Mm -hmm. thing I I think people are failing to realize, especially those – that are are not rooted in in, in panther ideology is that power only respects anybody has made any headway or attempted or thought they was making headway by being able to utilize the enemy of my enemy. It it has to do with the fact that that enemy sees a ability to use your force to further their gains. And a lot of times when you're dealing with other countries, especially when you're talking about world power, they're constantly trying to gain the advantage and, and be able to get ahead of their other of the other people in that same level of race. 
And so mm-hmm. knowing that, anytime somebody would try to fund or utilize the African Africans in America to, to you know, claiming that they're going to give us support and, and funds and this and that, it has to do with the fact that they can use us to further or create turmoil or further create situations to where they can have an upper hand. That's right. America off his A game. So we still will be basically being used as a puppet. Not until we come up with a process of being able to consolidate the ability to bring forth power as a people in this country can we actually sit to the table with any other other country or nation and have the ability to actually negotiate and have a fair exchange. Unless we have power, we cannot have a fair exchange. We will simply be being used, pimped, and hold just like anybody else would be. And at the end wow. of the day, they will cut our throats the same goddamn way we get our throats cut in America. Mm-hmm. Except it'll be deep. Because they own their land, and we stuck here. So we yeah. got to be conscious of that concept. Number two to that same thing that, is what we also got to realize is that as we talk about coming together, unifying this and that, we have to work toward the building of infrastructure a lot about the political process, a lot about economics, but what's not but a not enough discussion is talking about consolidating our ability to create create power, which mm-hmm. comes through infrastructure. See, as a black people here in America, part of uh, our biggest fight that we have is that a lot of times when we're trying to tackle dealing with oppression, we're at the same time trying to address self identity. See, unlike Africans on the continent or Africans in other parts of diaspora, they are sitting on land. By them sitting on land, they have developed a culture around that land base, around that climate, and around their conditions on that land. Here in the United States of America, the African of African in America is not operating from a standpoint of a land-based fight, a land-based revolution, or a land-based fight against oppression. And so, therefore, we are suffering from a self-identity crisis in addition to trying to fight oppression. So we are a land, a landless-based people trying to figure out who the hell we are and trying to figure out where we're going to go and then trying to figure out who we're going to side with to be able to implement and employ power. Mm-hmm. It is a bro, totally bro, different scenario. Brother, do and you so uh, have any remedies? Can you, can you suggest the, any remedy? The, the remedies is kind of going back to us realizing that we have to address things from a standpoint of infrastructure. So when mm-hmm. I say infrastructure, I'm talking about us actually building from the standpoint of developing manufacturing, developing products, developing the ability to be able to even implement economics or implement something of power for exchange. If, example, people talk all the time about, hey, you should be self-employed or, or, or be able to deal with economics so that you're not working somebody's job. Okay, well, we have to be able to create jobs which create wealth, which then at the same time can create positions of power for ourselves. So yeah. as we come together as these different organizations, going back to what you was talking about, the RBG and so forth, we have to be talking about, okay, the members of our organizations, the members of our cause, the members of our, all these different fractions that we're dealing with, what can we bring to the table as a consolidated effort to be able to implement something that can be used to bring us in positions of power? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on, on, on my constant push for saying that infrastructure has to be pushed. With infrastructure, that means we need to be working toward development of engineers, development of architects, 
development of trades, things that can be taken if, if we if we want to deal with other land bases or even try to establish something here. Things that be, can be taken to build up that land, to build mm-hmm. up an economy, to build up a world base or a power force that can actually engage in exchange. Because yeah. rhetoric is not an exchange. Uh, yeah. Even just come my not labor. That's a that's a that's a still a slave based exchange. If all I got mm-hmm. to offer is just my la- is, is is my labor, then what is that other country or what is that other power gonna do with me other than what use my labor? And that means yeah. what throw me in the military or throw me in a position to where I'm I'm still in the same oppressive rat race that I'm fighting here in America. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. I have the ability to produce, to produce goods and services that can empower and that can pre- that create wealth and that can create trade, then now I can come to the table as an equal. Right now, going back to the continent of Africa, what, mm-hmm. what China, Russia, United States, or these countries are fighting over is the natural resources in that land, on that land. Yeah. And they employ yeah. and enslave Africans to extract those resources. Mm-hmm. So mind you, that land again, and those resources and those commodities that they, these other countries are after, fueled our fueled our nations. So mm-hmm. if we want to respect and get the same respect of having a power base, then we have to deal with things from the standpoint of resource resource based empowerment. And I don't hear enough of that being discussed. Resource based yeah. empowerment. So that's how we I, have to come together. Yeah, I, I can black power, and I can agree, and that's the national chief of staff, uh, brother War, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. Resources and lands, you know, mm-hmm. is where it's gonna is, is where it's gonna come from. Talking about you know, and to add on to what my dear brother is saying, you know, when you're talking about the African in America, however, and them lacking, us lacking, not them, us lacking the resources in the land. One of our first starts is gonna come, you know, has to be about conscious, active participation in our own self-development. The brother was talking about, like he was talking about institutions, which I love. You know, so before we get to the schools, I'm telling these everyday cats, like we need to have schools, but what we need to get these mothers and these fathers is to be active on the PTA, the the, the school board, to be active on the, the vote for the um who sits on the uh, board of education. To start going to school board meetings, to understand the curriculum in the school, to start challenging the curriculum and demanding if we don't have the resources, if we don't have the wherewithal, if we don't have the means to have our own schools right now, to demand that the curriculum in the current schools, especially if these schools are in an area that we are the majority, that these curriculums in these schools are reflective of the people in that locale, meaning us. Don't sit here and pump this bullshit in our school that isn't reflective of African people. But until we participate at the very start, and I'm not saying that they're going to give in to that, but what that will do is two things. One, it will show us our participating in that will show us how to, how to or how not to uh, run a school, run that, that, that sort of institution. And also it will show the hypocrisy in the system that a lot of us have a blind faith in and don't know it. This is why I always advocate my people getting involved in some form of political process because I'm not saying that the political process, I'm not saying this system is made for us, but it will, our participating in it will expose the hypocrisy of the system and God willing, 
our ancestors willing or just common sense willing will begin to motivate the people to say, hey, you know what? This is some bull stuff. This is a farce. This is not for us. We must begin to create and not just create, but enact, create it and begin to live it a way, a system that is beneficial to us. But if we just are constantly, like Chief War was alluding to, he didn't come out right and say it, but I kept getting the impression what we're just dependent on the system and just floating through, not, you know, no attachment to resources, not even trying to get anything that remotely looks like a resource, you know, no institutions, not even having the initiative, not the inspiration nor the motivation to begin to build our institutions. And those people who do sell us those ideas or just that selling us ideas, they know that secretly we desire that, so they put they dangle it in front of us like a carrot and nothing ever comes to fruition. Despite our constant financial contributions, our time and our energy, we never see anything come to fruition except for the individual who was promoting it or being the spokesperson for it getting richer off of uh, like our labor. <laughs> you know, right. Right, with uh, like a preacher, which is the sad part. So the people must begin to participate in their own self-determination. This is why I start at that basic concept, that fundamental concept, being involved in your own self-determination. Like an AA meeting, the first step is standing up and say, hey, I have a problem, and I want to change this problem. Then we can begin to look at some changes. But into the African people, like Chief, my Chief of Staff War was saying, as long as we're content and comfortable with the rhetoric, as long as we have somebody screaming in our ear that every now and then soothes our soul and lulls us into a uh, some type of passive state or at least a state of um, a little temporary comfort, we forget the larger struggle. We'll take that little bit of medicine for the time and just forget about everything else that ails us. And if it doesn't ail us directly, then I'm talking about we won't even address that that ails us as a people. There's a lot of things going on in this dynamic with the African here in America. And one of those things is, like what War was saying, is that lack of self-identity, but trying to fight that a an identity issue and being um, empowering, trying to empower oneself in a country that was designed for your 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 disempowerment is a difficult task, but it's a task that has to be had because until you know, um, and it isn't even about when I say know who you are. Let me let me let me say this, and I know that our people, our cultural nationalists, and the likes on the line may have a problem with this, but when I say know who you are, I'm not necessarily talking about what part of Africa or some ancient understanding of Africa. I'm not necessarily talking about that right now. When I say know who you are, I'm talking about, like point number five says in our manual, know the true nature of this decadent society and your role in this nature or in this decadent society. Building from there, because that is going to dictate the treatment, how people treat you. And once you know why they're treating you like that, that will help you in your response to that treatment. It will help you in building your defenses and launching a sound and solid offense by knowing how you're perceived nationally and internationally. And that's one of our, to me, in my opinion, that's one of our biggest problems. When we talk about it goes everything from just um, everyday socializing with one another and in, in this society to institution building because we don't see the need to build institutions. A lot of us brother. are still – go ahead, brother. Now – I want to ask you if you could do do me a solid. 
mm-hmm. I believe Detroit I believe Detroit could be a pivotal point for us. And I'd like for you to push this Detroit thing, bring the Panthers, bring all of the different fractions of factions of the Panthers, bring them, and let's sit down and build, brother. Let's sit yeah, down and well, build. We the, yeah, we can put the word. We can put the word out there. You know, we put the word out there, and brothers and brothers come, and we can build. You know, I think one of the things in our building is we're going to have to agree to be able to disagree. Keeping it, right. keeping in, you know, and and stating our primary goal and objectives. What is our primary goal and objective? If, if as long as our primary goal and objective is the liberation and empowerment of African people, uh, especially me being a black nationalist, I'm talking about directly right now, specifically us here, in, uh, uh, starting with us Africans here in in America, and then throughout the diaspora, no problem. You know, I think one of our biggest problems, though, it goes back to like I said, we have this religious cultish mentality so when someone comes up and says hey you know what that's our problem but i don't necessarily agree with that view or i don't think that that's the call we don't know how to disagree we think that when we discover veganism we think that's the solution to the world's problems and anybody eating well, meat is contributing you, to the delinquency you and of the I have, you and i have set the example so you you are panther i'm rbg and we agree and we disagree and me and you get along fine. We can do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm yeah, it absolutely it can be done. I think like I said, mm-hmm. when you set the goal and objectives and you're the same goal and objectives, it can be done because the movement is the same. The organization. The v, we're going in the same direction. The vehicle may be different. Someone's driving a truck, right? Someone's right. you know, in a on a motorcycle, someone's in a car, exactly. but they're headed to the same destination. And exactly. I think that that's and I think that that's the key. And just realizing that we're trying to achieve the, um, the 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 same destination. You know, we're heading in the same we're heading in the same direction. You know, but just being realistic about it, though, we have Bro, to you, be, I, we have to be. Yeah. Hey, at my heart, man, my heart bleeds for it, brother. My heart bleeds for it. Yeah, we're gonna get it, brother. Yeah, yeah, we keep on, you know, we keep we keep working at it, and we keep knocking it down. Everyone playing their particular role. Everyone doing what they have been commissioned to do. Everyone doing their specialties, and that will all of that will contribute to our to the advancement of African people in America. I I am a, I am a firm believer in that, you know. But we have to stop being cowardly. We have to stop turning the fight inward. You know, it's easier to fight with your brother than to fight the oppressor, the blatant oppressor right. right outside with the big stick. You know, That's the consequences right. are a little different when you go up against the known oppressor than sitting here arguing with your brother over uh, tri- trivial, mundane things. Right. You know, and in this and in this struggle of ours, there is no effort that we can afford to scoff at. We don't have the luxury to tell any black person that is contributing to this struggle of ours that that isn't the right way or that that isn't enough effort. Now, whatever, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm saying this. If our people, if someone thinks that their solution is sound and that it's solid, by all means, you should present that, and you should present it in such a way. You know, um, coming from the Islamic tradition, God says in the Quran, he says, and argue with them in ways that are best. You should present your facts 
in your argument, for lack of better words, in such a way that it is sound. And any people that are really committed and dedicated to a solution, to the solution, uh, uh, to a solution to the problem that we face as African people in America, shouldn't be opposed to hearing a sound, a sound proposition or a sound solution to the problems that we face. Not if, not if those individuals are sincere, you know, and I think that this is one of the things too, lack of, and that's something else that we want to talk, talk on that I, that in, in my opinion is one of the things that hinders us is that lack of morals and ethics in the revolutionary movement. We've allowed any people to come in and masquerade themselves as revolutionaries. And you will find this being one of the only movements or one of the only places that you can do that. In the game, hell, the gangbangers, my father and I were just speaking about this. The gangbangers are more organized when it comes to that type of thing. You can't, you can't walk around fronting like you're a crip and you're not a crip, or you're a blood and you're not a blood. That, that, man, there might be some consequences behind that. Anybody, the Masons, anything. And here you and I go professing to be revolutionaries, professing to be a people who will put their lives on the line, their wealth or whatever it takes to advance African people, and sit back and let some of the most despicable, some of the most irrehensible people sign up for the movement, and we and we will sit there and be silent about it. We will sit there and watch them being counterproductive and counterrevolutionary, and be silent about it. And these are one of the things that are hindering and holding us back. That type of letting this type of elements get in. Listen, we're living in serious times. I don't know if what. Um, if you heard what Chairman Carl was saying, President Trump is trying to amend some of the 14th Amendment. Yeah. He's trying to get rid of the 14th Amendment. Citizens, right citizenship. And here's why that's dangerous. Here's why that's dangerous. Not so much just him getting rid of birthright citizenship. That's testing the waters. If he can begin to... Uh, uh, change the amendments, you do know that the 13th Amendment is the only thing freed your ass. You see? So when he starts to play with the amendments, when he tests the water with some things, when he begins to deny citizenship, birthright citizenship, and change this amendment based on his whims and his desires on his mega, make America great again type of campaign, how long before he begins to snatch some of the so-called rights, how long before he begins to flirt with the idea of changing the amendments that give the so-called African here in America the little bit of leeway that we do have, the, the, uh, before they take the illusion of democracy, before they get to the point where they say, we no longer care if you know that you're free or not, why they've already let you and I know that our lives don't mean a thing by the blatant brutality and murder of the uh, legal arm or the military arm of this repressive state known as the police. They already know what they, they are, have already let us know what they think about us. They have already let us know. So now you have them flirting with this idea of taking, taking, taking the amendment or changing an amendment to keep, and this is also to keep the minor to keep the minorities a minority, to keep the minorities a minority, 
And when you have the African here in America that has such apathy for the political process, that has such apathy for their participating in anything that would empower them, make them independent as a people over here in America, then it's all downhill for us. That's why we got to get proactive, brother. We have to become proactive. But like Chief of Staff says, what does that proactive look like? Issues that are now, we will talk about the politics. We'll talk about the economics. We'll talk about the defense, whether that defense be uh, 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 paramilitary training. We will talk about these particular things, but we'll shy away from building institutions. We'll shy away from building those things that will sustain a change in the condition of black people in America. And it's only right, but understand we didn't get like this overnight. This wasn't an event. It was a process. We didn't develop this type of hands-off mentality. We didn't develop this this kumbaya, this I don't care what happens to me, I'm a breeze in the, 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 the wind mentality overnight. It's a conditioning. And are we dedicated to the reconditioning of an African people? And what are we reconditioning them on? I love what the brother said. He said, in a lot of things, all we have to do, all we really have as a resource is our labor. And and, and that is so true. And it has to evolve past just it being labor. But in the meantime, in between time, we need to recognize the worth of our labor. Therefore, this is when you had unions come in. These black workers need to, we need to unify. We need to begin to get into unions. We have to capitalize. Stop allowing the capitalists, hear me, listen to these words. Stop allowing the capitalists to capitalize on our disorganization, on our disunification. We must begin to capitalize on unity. On uni- on, on, and unity is being a union. On that labor Demanding what wages are set Demanding that the working conditions Begin to be favorable To the workers Understanding The political and economic process To see the importance of why we're doing that And how that ties in To being the primary resource That we have And that's our labor Our know-how But since they have us in this surviving mode in this mode of dog eat dog that when we do get a skill when we do get a trade the last thing or some type of know-how some type of intellect to perform a certain task the last thing we think about is teaching our brother and sister you becoming a unit working together ensuring that our brothers and sisters are coming through with us we begin to look at how i can take this information this knowledge this know-how and propel myself how can I get ahead? It's all in our, they've taught us so well that we regurgitate the same divisive, disunifying BS. Niggas are crabs in a barrel. I can get farther by myself. Niggas are holding you down. That's not true, brother. That's not true. I know, exactly. That ain't true. That, that's and what that I'm ain't saying. me. And that ain't me. So. But this is a, no, for the revolutionaries on the line, I know this is not for us. What this talk mm-hmm. is, 
is to remind us, to reiterate the prevailing mentality yeah. a lot of times in the masses. See, this is what I, when I talked about, a brother got on me when I was talking about the so-called conscious community in danger of becoming elitist. And there was a brother on my post was like, oh, brother, how are you going to say that? And I was telling him, here's the danger of it, because the conscious community will forget about the prevailing thought of the masses of African people. Why? Because we've stopped addressing the masses of African people. We forgot who the message is to. We sit around and begin to prophesize and tell the message to one another. Now it's just become a deep brother. Yes, brother, deep sister. That's right, queen. That's right, God. That's right, king. It's become a lot of BS. It's become feel good. It's become we do, we've isolated ourselves. We've alienated ourselves from the masses, even on our Facebook and the people that we kick it with so much that we've lost touch to reality. The very people that the message should go to can't receive the message because we've been amongst ourselves so long, the damn message sounds strange. I don't know. Sometimes you need to step out of your so-called conscious community. Go talk to some people in the real world. Go back to your conscious community. Two things are going to happen. One, when you go talk to the masses of African people, they're going to look at you like you crash landed from another planet. Not going to know what the hell you're talking about. This is how far removed we've been from masses. And then when you spend time with them and you go back to the conscious community, you're not going to know what the hell they're talking about. It's going to sound strange. There's a disconnect. There's a dis, uh, disconnect. A divide between us. We forgot who the message is to and what the message is for and what this whole thing is about. It is about the upliftment and the advancement of all of us as an African people in America and throughout the diaspora. Not just a select group. Not just a few individuals. The dangers of becoming elitist. The dangers of becoming that 1%. The dangers of becoming the petty bourgeoisie. Especially in the so-called black community where we find um, a lot of our entrepreneurship is. And we don't see the communalism nor the socialism, but we see petty bourgeoisie capitalism out of these so-called store uh, owners and merchants. And I'm not saying that don't get your money up. Get your money up. Make a living. But don't forget about your obligation and responsibilities to the African community. Who told you? Who told you, black man and black woman, that you no longer had a responsibility and an obligation to us as a people? Just because the chains were physically removed doesn't mean that we were uh, let out of that contract of having to do for one another. The revolution must evolve as the tactics of oppression evolve, and we have yet to uh, really propagate or articulate an evolved form of revolutionary action. We're still holding or clinging to past actions. We're still holding or clinging to perceptions and concepts of racism and white supremacy and all these other ills that we believe are targeted against us, and we don't understand that the attack has evolved without our defenses and our responses evolving adequately enough to really even not even halfway hold off attack, but to even dress the attack adequately and properly to bring enough attention to if why? Because if here's my proof in that you say, Well what's your proof, brother? My proof is that the way that they're blatantly kill us wouldn't continue. Not like this. Not like this. Not to the point where they don't care if you have a phone out now. They will murder you. 
They don't care if you're recording. Who you gonna tell? Who you gonna tell? And when you go tell, why should these people like Chief uh my chief of staff said, Brother Ward said, when you do go tell, why should these people give a damn when you don't bring any value, any transient value to the table? Why should I care about your plight? Why? Not even so much on a human rights level now. Why? Because when you go to the international courts, when you go to the UN or wherever you go to clamor about your human rights violations, why this white man in America will simply say that he didn't or she didn't participate in the political process I had given to him. How are you going to clamor and clown and holler about your human rights when the white man can say, I gave them a democratic process that they willingly didn't participate in? What human rights? What violations? Why democracy and the hypocrisy of the system has to be exposed, not just nationally to our people, but internationally to the world. And hear me this. Hear me. Believe me when I tell you this. Believe me when I tell you this. The world knows about the hypocrisy. The world is saying, black man and black woman, when will you wake up? How can you subjugate yourself to such treatment? How can you just walk through life and breathe through life in that country that has perpetrated horrendous crimes and acts against the world in general? And you, black man and black woman specifically, how do you have the, where do you find? The ability to be comfortable with the people who you know don't like you, who have created a society and a system that is has loopholes and traps designed specifically for you. How do you walk around so comfortably? How are you not c- continuously fighting for liberation and freedom, fighting for better living conditions, fighting not for equality, not for equality, but fighting for liberation, fighting for empowerment. How do you not? And this is the question we begin to ask ourselves. And those institutions, like Chief of Staff was saying, those institution building starts with building the institution in your home, then the institutions in your community, your city, your state, and so on and so forth, nationally and internationally. But you must become actively involved do something start a study group at the local coffee house to address the local politics find out who your councilman is in your area find out who your alderman is hell if you live in a neighborhood if you live in an apartment join the tenant association do something Negroes have become lazy. It's fashionable to type on the Facebook. It's fashionable for to jump on the blog talks or to make lives, but there's no activity, no real action in your community. Do something. I don't care if you just grab one little young brother and begin to mentor that young brother. Put him under your wing. Each one, teach one. It doesn't have to be grandiose. You don't have to come in there like the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and have hundreds of thousands of followers. Two or three in your locale. A constant, a meeting once a week to remind your brothers and sisters, your comrades, the mission at hand, what we should be about. 
even if at the very least that meeting is over the phone, if you can't galvanize, if you can't organize or get the brothers and sisters to come to a physical locale, at the very least, do it over the phone. But plan to meet physically and enact some type of action. I don't care if you just got to go to the park, walk around the park one time with a garbage bag and some gloves and pick up trash in the park. Become active. And believe me, you, something as simple as picking up that trash in the park, when done consistently, when done consistently, people will begin to see you, and if they don't join in, they may donate, they're going to have questions, and it is an opportunity to propagate. Don't be haters. If you have a blog, talk radio, let me know. We can put it out as long as it ain't on Tuesday at 8. <laughs> if it's on Tuesday at 8, I'm not going to push it. But we can push it out there. If your show isn't on Tuesday at 8, don't be a stick in the mud. Tell people about the show. Tell them that their voice can be heard, their solutions. They can contribute their solutions to a pile of brothers and sisters who are contributing to solutions and prayerfully looking for a mega solution to address the problems that we face as Africans here in America. We must spread the word. Begin to support leaders who are espousing what you believe. I have a lot of black leaders out there I support. No, I'm not in every organization, but a lot of these leaders in these organizations I support and I endorse and I give them a kind word and I call into their radio programs and I like a Facebook post and I share something they put up there because I'm not one who believes in a one-party nation. I'm not a cult leader. I don't believe that all of us have to follow the same thing, wear the same clothes, speak the same jargon. I understand that it's going to take this diversity to really get something accomplished. So we have to push one another. We have to propagate one another. We have to build one another up. We have to tell the masses about people whom that even if we don't follow directly, that even some, even if we don't agree with all the time, but they say a word that might be directly to the right, they say something that causes the black man and the black woman to think or will be a spark to um, propel them to some type of action, we should share this with the masses. Let us not forget our mission. Too many times. We forget our mission. And when we forget our mission, when we divorce ourselves from the masses of people, we do like we did with the 14-year-old young lady being brutalized. Grown white man hitting her with kidney shots, pulling her shorts up her behind, exposing her, at the very least, not to talk about the extreme discomfort to her genitalia, the bruising. And the things that that called just the savagery of this beast on a young 14-year-old. Our women, and this is what we do. We look and we put the angry emoji. I'm so angry. The little emoji with the red face. I'm so angry. While you had men there watching this exchange and what did grown men do while a young lady was being brutalized, put out the goddamn phones and filmed it. Well, boy, your people. This is what we've been regulated to that I can do no more than film it. So why do you, so now, and we expect our youth to listen to us. Well, why should the youth listen to us? Because what this system has done 
directly has made us ineffective in our young people's lives. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it started out <coughs> with defects telling you, or the state telling you, you can no longer discipline your child. Corporal punishment is punishable by imprisonment or punishable by incarceration. They will lock you up for disciplining your child. Yet they will beat your child. So now you can't beat your child, and they can beat your child, and then tell you, showing the child, your child now, while your child is being brutalized by this police officer, that your parents are ineffective, that your parents have, have no way of helping you against anything that I deem fit to do to you. Why he has made the black community impotent. And we wonder why these young people don't listen to us. These young people don't take what we say to heart. They don't feel protected. Where's the guidance? A part of guiding, a part of nurturing and upbringing is protection, is stability, is a sense of security and safety. And we can't provide our children with that. We teach our children to be fearful. You teach your young men when you go out, make eye contact, say yes, sir. Don't cause no trouble. Take that hoodie off. Don't do this. Walk with your hands out of your pocket. Don't. You teach them to be a punk. You teach them to be as passive as humanly possible in order to save his life. And it's a shame that it has to be that way. But we know the dangers of being a black man. And now so much so of being a black, uh, a black woman, these young ladies are coming up missing at an alarming rate. And you tell me a war isn't being waged against the black community while we sit around and click Facebook likes or have the audacity to be beefing with someone because their opinion of how to propel the black race forward disagrees with our lofty and noble opinions and answers to the problem. We actually got the nerve to begin upset about that and want to go into a, a, a debate and in some instances even worse. Well, we have to step up and step up immediately. Participate. Listen, I know I'm talking big. This is five on the black hand side. Anything that you guys want to talk about, we can talk about. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Go ahead, brother. What would you say? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey said, and we talked about that earlier today, one of the greatest weapons that is used against us is this organization. Everybody, in, even the Hogwarts and the magazine, the flies are organized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the magnets are unorganized people subject to slavery any given time. And my body, my heart, I need it. My liver, I need it. My lung, I need it. My intestine, I need it. And my asshole, I need that too. And I need my mind. All of it work together. We just have to know how to organize. And that and is one of, that's it. And that's one of the things European never wanted. When he went to Africa, he seen the how they did the pyramid man and they knew ladders and not tractors and everything. What they used to build that and everything is set up. What they did to sculpture the uh state. What they did to 
we were problem yeah. out of and then they came and made us think that we ain't nothing. And, and come and make us think we ain't nothing. Chairman, let's yeah. let's go to our phone lines real quick because I see. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 Yanga, this is this is what's going to unite us. Pan Africanism means all. Pan yeah. means all. And I'm saying, when you look at our history, every European that have economic power now, when you look at it, you see how they went and carved up the motherland. And when those sisters got together and organized, they got them up out of there. I yeah. mean, they went there, man, and carved it up. The British said, I take part. The Germans said, I take part. The French said, I take part. It was like they ran a train on a hoe. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, they carved it up like a Christmas turkey. You better believe that. Listen, let me go to our phone lines real quick because I, right. I just looked. I see I got a call that's in there holding. Erico 404 Erico 8594. Your mic is open. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace, gentlemen. Peace, brother. Man, this is a, this is a heck of a show. And uh, my name is Dr. Hawkins, originally from Houston, now residing in Atlanta. You know what? I want to say something, and I pray that the people can hear me. What the brothers have been saying is absolutely true. Now, I know there are a lot of us out there that are very scared. So there are certain truths that we don't want to confront. Now, mm. I would like to offer a little advice that could help us or assist us in assimilating these higher truths. Now, in ancient times, there was a wise person who once said that the problem with not getting involved in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. Mm. So when you think about that and you look at the current state of black America right now, let's let's just call it that, you know, whether you want to call us Africans in America or, or whatever you, you want to call us. Let's yeah. look at this. Yeah. First and foremost, the United Nations, and I know this from for a fact, right, they're telling us, that by the year 2030, almost half of the world's drinking water is going to be gone. Mm. Think about what I just told you. Half of the world's drinking water is going to be gone. Now, how long has this planet been here? There's never been a problem with fresh water per se. What they're really telling you is here in the very near future, poor people won't have access to water. So while we're bullshitting, while we're bug dancing, while we're cooning, while we're in the club every weekend and, and, and doing our thing and whatnot, they got a plan to snatch the resources right from under your black ass. And you could think it's a joke. You could think what you have, whatever you want to think, but I pray that you can hear what's coming from behind my voice. Like a wise man always says, Listen to me with the other you. Listen with the other you. Flint, Michigan was a beta test to see how black men would respond to the poisoning of an entire city of black women. Mm. You want to know the bill? You want to know why them grown-ass men sit around and film the cops beating up this little girl? It's called trauma-induced fear. Mm. And these idiots are now starting to admit that 
that that memories are independent of the brain, something that we metaphysician as we've known for hundreds of thousands of years. But, if, you know, if you follow their science, and believe it or not, I am a credentialized scientist, not a self-proclaimed scientist from the conscious community. And, and look, I'm not right. completely knocking those guys, but here's what the problem is with, with the conscious community tying it all together. And they are they are necessary, believe it or not. But the problem is, is we're still not building systems. Now, when you look at the so-called white scientific establishment, did they sit around and ponder on Einstein's theories forever or some of these other scientists' theories forever and not build any systems? No. What they did was they gathered their knowledge they built systems, they conducted experiments to prove or disprove what these white folk were saying. Now, we know that they stole their mo- most of their information from us. We get that, all right? But when are we going to start building systems? We're not even importing or exporting anything from mm-hmm. Africa yet or, or to Africa. That's a damn shame as a grown-ass man. Now, I said all that to say this. What the hell's going to happen? When these white folk decide to shut off your water, huh? Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, they're telling you, fifty percent of your water is going to be gone in the year 2030. Yeah. And here's the scary part: they're saying this is going to result in three billion with a B deaths, three yeah. billion deaths by the year 2013. Uh, excuse me, 2030, and that uh, there's another two billion. That's going to be caused by Codex Alimentarius. They used Obama to pass it December 31st, 2009, one minute before New Year's, while most of y'all were out there partying, getting drunk, and getting high. This law basically outlawed vitamins and minerals. All right? So you wonder why these GMOs are all over the damn place now? <laughs> if you don't have your health, you don't have nothing. If you don't have your health, you can't think properly. They're putting all this stuff in the in, in the water and the food in the air to decimate us. And it's about time that we start standing up, man. I'm telling you, if we don't, man. we got a couple years, man, and we can hang it up. And we can hang it up right on, bro. Brother, let me get your name. What's your name one more time, man? Oh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, my name is Dr. Will Hawkins. Okay. Uh, at the end of that, you can find me very easily. Okay, uh, brother, and I got your number, man. I'm, and then this is gonna be off the air, but later on, I um, uh, may have a someone contact you and talk to you a little later on. That's off the air. Is that fine, Doctor? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because some things I wonder, you know, some things you had said, and I just got a text, and you know, um, um, actually, my chief wants to talk to you about some things, so. Uh, so I just got yeah. you but absolutely. I listen. I I agree with you, and I like what you were talking about. There's so much to talk on, and I was taking notes. Uh, but then when you were talking about, but one of the things that just jumped out when you were talking about how we can stand around as grown men and and sit there and watch these tragedies happen to us was that fear-induced trauma. Fear-induced trauma. I think that that's yo, 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 and, yo, my, my brother. If you don't mind for a second. Can I can I take another forty five seconds and explain something to those out there that are very afraid and, and maybe they don't want to uh, be afraid if, anymore? If you, know, you know what I you know what I would hate to do to you, brother, is because can you do it in forty five seconds? Because I got seven minutes. I'd like to have you back on the next show and we make sure we yeah. touch this 
so that we okay. can I can give you the proper amount of time. Um, you know, to do that because I, I, I think that 45, 45 seconds would be doing a disservice. If you want to say something, you can, but I kind of hope you don't try to go into it for 45 seconds because I want you to revisit it again on another show. But the floor is still yours. Okay, now watch this here. Imagine Hitler in the room with a bunch of henchmen and women, including Margaret Sanger. There's a lot of chicken in the room. He grabs the chicken by the neck. He slams it up against every wall in the room. He kicks it, stabs it, spits on it, slaps it, chokes it, throws a chair at it. He beats the flying elf out of his chicken. And then he reaches in his coat pocket, pulls out of his hand, and he has a handful of coin. That chicken that he just traumatized literally came running and ate out of his hand. That's trauma-induced fear. That's what happened mm. to us. We got to deprogram ourselves. Mm. Come on, I heard that. I heard that. And there you have it. And I've and I've constantly said that. You know, you're absolutely right. We have to be deprogrammed. And this is and this is what we'll talk about. You know, on the next show, we want to talk about some of the solutions because we've addressed some of the problems. And I know that it can be redundant to a lot of our listeners on the on the line who have heard these problems before. But we want to talk about some of the solutions. We have Dr. Hopkins on. We have, you know, uh, Tough Stab Brother K. Move. Clearly some seasoned revolutionaries on that can offer some solutions, uh, and I want to discuss them. But listen, with that, man, we're coming in our last minutes. I want to thank everyone, like always. I want to thank the people who have taken out from that Tuesday to spend this time with us, your family at the People's Party, People's Black Panther Party of Self-Determination, and just with all the comrades on the sharing this. Remember, like I said, it's all about communalism. It is all about collective works, collective mindset, us putting it together, and that's the only way that we're going to get the job done is if we do it together. Individualism is a European trait. It is a European ethic, uh, and it is not beneficial to, but like my man, melanated people, black people, Moorish people, African people, in America, whatever your bag is you calling yourself, you over here in America that is treated like a nigga. You know what I'm talking about. Um, only together will we shake these shackles off of us. With that, brothers and sisters, I'm going to leave you like I greeted you, and that's all powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power, and I'm going to leave out with my, you know what, I opened with my new song. With uh, uh, so But I'm going to leave out, I'm going to close out with my, my favorite song that's one mic, because all it takes is one mic, one voice to begin to change the world. All powers to the people. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one
knee, I ducked. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst. A fiend drops a Heineken. Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rap. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats, don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the star, sun, and the moon. And it's like a police chase. Street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, we're nine out. This is what nine's about, nigga. The time is now. I need is one mic. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six winners to you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is fair. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Tasting revenge in the air I let this shit slide for too many years Too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of max Too many nines If y'all niggas really with me Get busy, load up the semis Do more than just hold it Explode the clip until you empty There's nothing in our way They bust, we bust They rust, we bust Let's fly and feel it I feel it in my gut That we take these bitches to war Lie them down Cause we stronger now My nigga, the time is now It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.